Welcome to the Nittany Blues Podcast. By Penn State fans, for Penn State fans. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Vince. What's up, Nittany Lion fans? Welcome back to the Nittany Blues podcast. Your Penn State Nittany Lions are officially headed to the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. So Vince, on a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you? Uh, Is 11 an option? Oh, it's absolutely an option. Yeah, everything just worked out perfectly this weekend. We had, uh, you know, TCU lose to Kansas State. Uh, That was really fun to watch because some of my friends are K-State alum. And What a crazy um, ending. Yeah, that was insane. When I was watching on TV, I thought that third goal in the overtime from the aerial view, it looked like he broke the plane with the football. Right. So I thought that was actually a touchdown originally, but you know the officials thought otherwise when they reviewed it, and the fourth and goal was definitely short. So really happy for my K-State friends that are fans to see them get a win. And I I heard my buddy TJ was like crying tears of joy, and it it was awesome. You know, you know. (laughs) see him happy after like Michigan state's been like, or not Michigan state, uh, Kansas state's been like a seven and five like team for the most part. So yeah, yeah, very cool. Um, and then, you know, another upset in the, uh, pack 12, you have Utah taking uh USC to the woodshed in the second half after mm-hmm. it looked like USC was going to run away with it in the first quarter. And that, that puts Ohio state into the four seed and, you got Penn State in the Rose Bowl. Two That's teams right. In the Big Ten uh, for the college football playoff. You called it early <laughs> in the season. Yeah, you know, I uh, I'll be completely honest. I, I I'm happy to you know kind of pat my own back here a little bit with that prediction. But when I said it truthfully, I didn't think that there was much of a chance of it happening either. So you know, I'm happy to be right in this scenario. Um, I thought there was going to take a special set of <laughs> circumstances for it to come true for a non-SEC conference to get two teams in but you know the stars align just like you said and so now we're uh we're heading to pasadena yeah when you first said that like a month or two ago i was like bs there's no way this happens <laughs> and uh here we are college football is is a very crazy place yeah for sure uh so obviously we're gonna have a full preview of that game here as we get closer to the actual date of the game being played but what are some of your initial thoughts on the utah utes uh, some of my initial thoughts are that they remind me a lot of Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, really tough physical defense. Uh, they like to run the ball a lot. They had like tight ends and wide receivers who like got catches and no one on USC could bring them to the ground. And it was just one of those games where you're like, wow, this Utah team just wants it more. And, yep. you know, I did not think that you know, they would be able to come into a neutral environment to beat this USC team. They beat them at home and they came from behind at home to win 43 to 42 early in earlier in the season. So it is very difficult to be, you know, a, a team of similar ability, you know, two times. And the Utes even did better in the beginning. And they really uh, made a case for the college football playoff to expand to 12 teams even more because with how they played, 
I mean, heck, they could, they might even beat Michigan or, you know, give Georgia a run for their money. Yeah, they'd certainly give them a good fight. And, you know, this just seems to be a team that's very tough and very, very physical. And I think that has a large part to do with the head coach. I mean, Kyle Whittingham just seems to develop such a strong culture of that toughness, that accountability that just trickles down to the whole team because, you know, just from the quarterback, I mean, and I mean, I think Cam Rising is an absolute star you know the guy just looks like a general commanding his troops out there he loves absorbing those hits and just keeps on trucking you know he's not afraid to take the ball himself but it starts with him and then just goes all the way down the whole team to the wide receivers and to all the skill position players like you said and then just rock solid defense so i think uh, i think your analysis is pretty spot on this does look like uh, like a michigan-esque team where penn state's going to be in for a tough battle you know they're going to have to come prepared to be physical to be tough and just uh, kind of be ready to go man on man with the other squad yeah, and this is kind of a dream scenario for me for Penn State. Mm-hmm. So we, we talked about earlier how we thought we'd go to the Cotton Bowl and play Tulane. And I think we we beat Tulane. But the thing is, if we beat Tulane, you don't really learn anything. And with how Penn State has been this uh, in, in the month of November, they've been absolutely phenomenal uh, against their last four opponents. And... You know, this is the perfect test for us to see how good is Penn State because Utah, they look legit. They look, you know, like they should be in the college football playoff. Now they they had some early losses in the season, so they lost to uh, Florida early on in the swamp, and they, they lost to other couple of Pac-12 games, I believe. But it's really a great test for Penn State, and I, I think it's something that if they win they can carry that momentum into the next season and say, Hey, we can be physical with Michigan or Ohio state. And if they lose, they can say, look, look at themselves in the mirror and say, Hey, we got to be tougher. We got to be go harder in strength and conditioning. Uh, When you watch the big 10 championship, they just talked about how Michigan was a second half team. And, you know, there were a lot of games there behind and then the second half they took over. So, you know, that toughness and physicality, Uh, You see Michigan now taking out Ohio State, who's like the darling of the Big Ten. And then you have Utah doing the same thing to USC, who's kind of the darling of the Pac-12. So if you're going to beat teams that are more talented than you, you got to be tougher. You got to be more physical. You got to be better conditioned. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that Utah lines up perfectly as that kind of test. And I mean, Penn State has played very strong physical defense in the month of November, um, you know, really came out firing after a tough October stretch, really kind of imposed their will on the rest of the Big Ten slate. So I think it's going to be a situation where the coaches have to say to the defense, you have to continue to be nasty. You can't let Cam Rising get outside of the pocket and make some plays on the run and stuff like that. Like you got to finish a job. You got to bring them to the ground. You got to finish those tackles and everything in between. And then for the offense, it's going to be kind of like, uh, you know, you remember how early in the season you just took the ball and shoved it down Auburn's throat. Yeah, we're going to have to do that again. Except this time, the team is going to be better. They're going to be faster, they're going to be stronger, and they're going to be more talented. So I think that they're going to just have to really kind of bring that workman mentality, especially along the offensive line. I mean, um, that defensive front for Utah looked very good against a admittedly hobbled Caleb Williams in the second half, but when they had a stationary target to go after, they were really going after it. So I think that the offensive line is really going to have to show up to play. Uh, hopefully we get 
Olu Fashionu back for the Rose Bowl, and that we'll be able to have a bit more depth at the offensive line because I think we're going to need it. And uh, it, I think it's going to be on Sean Clifford's shoulders to really make smart decisions um, and not hold on to the ball for too long. You're right about him taking hits. Did you see that hit where his helmet flew off? And oh my god, they were viewed for targeting, and yeah. it looked like targeting, but uh, for some reason it wasn't. Like you have Abdul Carter who doesn't do anything. In oh the first my god, season, yeah. And then you have that, and you know it's uh, yeah, it just makes no sense. And I don't know, targeting is just a bogus call. I know like, it's very <laughs> obvious when you see it, but yeah. like when you're like, eh, I don't know, like he's tackling the guy with the ball, it's, right? It's such a gray area where you don't really know what it is. And yeah. That's what I don't like about the rule. Yeah. Especially since it has the implication of, oh, that player gets kicked out for the rest of the game. Like, right. Yeah. It's, it's like if kind you of a compare that role. <laughs> right. Compare that against Abdul Carter's targeting ejection from the very first game of the season against Purdue. I mean, he looked like he was trying to murder Cam Rising on that hit. But, you know, to Cam's credit, like I said, I mean, he it seems like he just loves the contact, man. Like He just popped right back up, got his helmet back on. And, you know, he, he looked like he was mad that he had to miss a play because his helmet came off. I mean, he just looks like a true blue competitor. Uh, so, you know, I think that he's the perfect guy to lead Whittingham's offense. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's uh, but it, I mean, yeah, that cra- that hit was crazy, though. I, I seriously thought that he was like concussed. Yeah, I guess he he likes the physicality like Trace and then has like a almost like a Gardner Minshew vibe to him. But, yeah. Uh, speaking, speaking of Trace, uh, you know, he's probably the most beloved quarterback of all time in Penn State. And uh, one thing he couldn't do was uh, win the Rose Bowl. Uh, we, mm. we lost a close one to USC uh, last time we were here. Yep. And Sean Clifford, I think, really has an opportunity to etch himself in contention for maybe the best quarterback of all time at Penn State if he's able to lead Penn State to a victory uh when was the last time we won the Rose Bowl 94 94 so we're one year old I don't even yeah I would have been one year old probably not even yet so yeah yeah definitely you've been waiting about 30 years for this to happen (laughs) (laughs) yeah it would uh it would be a nice nice thing to bring the Rose Bowl trophy back to the uh back to state college for the first time in that long. And, you know, it's kind of funny how there's certain similarities between that 94 team and this team where we have really stout defense, a lot of playmakers uh, at the linebacker position, obviously a strong defensive line, but then we have a very accurate quarterback, very strong running back play. And we have one, uh, I, you know, I would have called like, uh, you know, Parker Washington, if he was still healthy, kind of that Bobby Ingram type role. But then we have, a trio of tight end to fill kind of that Kyle Brady esque spot at the tight end position. So, you know, it's, it's interesting how there's a little bit of symmetry between that squad and this squad. So maybe that bodes well for us. And if we can get this uh Rose bowl victory without Joey Porter jr. Oh yeah. And uh, without Parker Washington, who are two guys that let's be honest, they might be gone next year. Right. You know, that, that, well, I mean, that Joey, Joey is very gone. good. Joey is gone. He, well, yeah. Joey will be gone, but you know, Parker, we're unsure, but right. it's almost a, it's almost a good test for next year because we are going to have to go on without them. And there's going to have to be life after Joey Porter jr. And other guys are going to have to step up, which I, I think we will just because of the depth of that position. Right. But, uh, you know, those are some questions that can also be answered. Can we be an elite defense without Joey Porter jr. And can we move the ball? on offense efficiently without uh, a guy like Parker Washington. Yeah, totally. And one thing that I was thinking about kind of in the initial 
reaction after being selected for the Rose Bowl, I was thinking in my head, man, I'm really glad that we got a lot of the guys who are at the two and three spots at a lot of these different positions reps this year, because I think that they're going to need it. You know, they're going to need, uh, you know, the Jalen Reeds and uh, the Zaki Wheatley's of this team to step up and uh, make some plays down the stretch because we can't put it all on the shoulders of like Chop Robinson, Abdul Carter, Curtis Jacobs, and Kalen King. Like it, it's going to be a whole team effort. So I think the fact that uh, a lot of these guys have seen significant playing time is going to be a huge plus for us. Yeah. And we said it at the beginning of, of the year, uh, the injury injury rate is in football is 100%. Yep. So you got at this level of football, you've got to have guys at the twos and threes that, you know, they might not be, you know, superstars, but, you know, they can't be guys that the offense just targets and, you know, looks to go that way mm-hmm. and pick on them. Right. So, so, you know, I think that a major linchpin in this contest is going to be Penn State offensive line as it comes down to in a lot of uh, games of Penn State versus high ranked opponents. So what are some of your initial feelings on Penn State's offensive line going into this game? They, you know, had a pretty solid November overall, kind of uh, stumbled a little bit in the Michigan State game. But overall, they significantly improved their play from the beginning of the year. But how do you like them right now against the pass rush of the Utah Utes? I feel okay about it. Mm -hmm. I I don't necessarily feel great because the teams that we have mopped up on have been Indiana, Maryland, Rutgers, Michigan State, Mm -hmm. which are all teams that have less than eight wins. Right. So we're going against a much better, much more physical team. And I think this is a good final exam for this offensive line to really see how good they are. And you're absolutely right. We are going to go as far as this this offensive line takes it, takes us. I said that at the beginning of the season, will they do it? Uh, I don't feel particularly confident, but you know, if we can establish that run, get the tight ends involved in the play action, I I think uh, that is the best, formula for success for Sean Clifford to run the offense. Oh, totally. Yeah. I think that if we can get Katron and Nick going in the running game, like that would bode really well for Penn state because you know, that just means that the offensive line is, is working correctly. So if it's like you just said, we go as far as they go. So if, if Sean's able to hang back there for a little while to find uh, the open man, whether it's like Theo or Mitchell or Keandre or Brenton, it always spells good things. Yeah, and another thing that we'll be able to learn is can Penn State finish a game? Yep. So we, if you look at uh, games against Michigan and Ohio State, which are their two losses, um, Penn State had a lead at halftime in all of their games this season, with the exception of Michigan. They were down 16-14, to 14, but they came out of the half. They got a field goal on their first drive. So they were up 17-16, to 16, and we all know things fell apart there against Ohio State. They were up for 50 minutes in this game. Mm-hmm. They, they had the lead. And right now you see Ohio State in the college football playoff. And while it's great to get the Rose Bowl, if you think, man, we just if we could have played in better and held on for 10 more minutes or Sean Clifford had you know a couple less interceptions, you know, we could be that four team in the college football playoff at 11 and one. And it's just makes you feel like, man, if we could have just held on for 10 more minutes and. Yeah, Yeah, that definitely hurts a lot, but, you know, I'm definitely going to be positive. At least we are in a Rose Bowl in a place that we want to be. I think if you said Rose Bowl at the beginning of the season, most Penn State fans would be very, very happy. Right. So, you know, count our blessings, but 
kind of one of those what ifs and what could have been situations. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, it, it hurts, um, you know, because the, the first time that the Big Ten has gotten two teams into the college football playoffs and Penn State was like a quarter or two away from being in that spot. So yeah, it's going to sting. So hopefully that just adds maybe a little bit of fire to next season. And to your point about finishing a game, I think that the coaches are going to really be driving home uh, what the team was able to do against um, Purdue, who, you know, even though they lost the Big Ten championship game, they did come out of the Big Ten West. So I think that they're going to point to examples like that and say, you know, when we needed to have a drive uh, put together and put some points on the board, this is these are times when we were able to do it. We need to replicate that efficiency, that effectiveness, and that overall execution. So I think I think that the coaches are going to do a decent job of doing that. You know, I think they're not going to have very much trouble getting these guys up for the Rose Bowl. I mean, it's like you said, we would have been ecstatic about the Rose Bowl at the beginning of this season, especially when all things considered, we kind of thought of this season as kind of like a transitional season of sorts, because we didn't think that Penn State was going to be able to, you know, kind of overcome the giant of Ohio State, which now appears to, you know, be Michigan in the Big Ten right now. Um, you know, we kind of saw this as like, okay, like let's go and have a nice season. Let's get Drew ready for, for action for next year, since he's kind of the heir apparent at the quarterback spot. But now we're sitting here going to Pasadena. So, you know, I think this is a, like, this is almost like a cherry on top situation in a way. Yeah, it really is. And it just goes to show you, uh, Sean Clifford's leadership. If you look at the past two years, uh, Penn state, whenever we lost, it was just in streaks, these long, long streaks of losses. Uh, we started off five and zero last year, and then we uh, finished seven and five in the regular season, seven and six actually. So they they win two of their last uh, eight games, which is you know, a terrible way to finish the season. The COVID year, you know, they started off zero and five. Penn State's only ever zero five start in school history. So you know, after the the two years that we we just had, uh, this year does feel a lot better when when you look at the grand picture of things. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he doesn't let things get too high or too low. He doesn't let like interceptions get to him, things like that. He knows the goal uh, and does a pretty darn good job of finding the path to get there. So, you know, I, I think it'd be awesome for him to go out to end his Penn State career with a Rose Bowl victory because that would erase just about every bad thing that, uh, you know, Penn State fans would think and remember about Sean Clifford if he like went out and won the the first Rose Bowl in nearly 30 years. Yeah, I think all those people who were booing would forgive him. Yeah, isn't that the truth? Yeah, so that would that'd be kind of funny. One more thing I do want to cover with Penn State football mm-hmm. is uh, shout out for Abdul Carter. He has been named a nominee for the Sean Alexander Award. Uh, only five freshmen have been selected this to this award. Um, Drake May out of UNC being one of them. And that just, that just shows that Abdul Carter is an elite company, not just in, in the Big Ten, but nationally. Like even like Katron Allen and Nick Singleton did not get selected as like a nominee for this. So this is just huge for Penn State, uh, Penn State football linebacker, you and Abdul Carter. Glad to see that he's getting the recognition that he deserves and uh, kind of seems to be on the track for uh, rising up the draft boards into the first half of the first round in the draft in a couple of years. Yeah. Maybe the Eagles will draft better at other positions and then they can take Abdul Carter at linebacker <laughs> in the first round yeah, in a couple of years. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> he can join uh, Joey Porter jr. When they draft him this year. 
all of our favorite Penn State defensive players on the birds at the next level. Like <laughs> that's kind of the one the one thing about that hurts like with like college football is you know Saquon you only get to see him for three years and then enjoy his just like amazing displays of athleticism and the whole mystique and magic of Saquon Barkley. And then you, you know, he goes away, but if yeah. you're like, if they go to your NFL team, like it's been so fun to see Miles Sanders be awesome here. And he's going to stay on the Eagles as long as the Eagles, you know, pay him and everything appropriately. But like, he can be there for his entire NFL career until he retires, you know, if he wants to, and then, you know, the contract's right. So, you know, it, it would be nice to, you know, enjoy that Penn state magic a little bit longer. Oh, absolutely. So I want to chat a little bit about TCU. And the question that I have for you is based on their seating in the college football playoff. I thought that the committee made the right decision by keeping them in the top four um, because I didn't think that their close loss to Kansas state was enough to nullify what was a, an undefeated season, um, a string of ranked wins against some quality opponents like Kansas State, like Texas, like Oklahoma State, and there's probably another one that I'm missing. So I thought that they did the they made the right call by keeping them in. However, I was a little surprised that they stayed at three. Um, I probably would have moved them down to four just for the simple nature of you lost a game, so you moved down a spot. Do you agree with me, or do you think that they made the right call by keeping them at three? I think they absolutely made the right call. Uh, it, it would kind of almost be like penalizing them for playing a conference cha- conference championship game. Now, I do agree with moving USC down because it was their second loss of the season, and they got smacked. And they, really had, and they got not only yeah they got, they also got smacked, and the same team beat them twice. So I think they really had a, a good opportunity to prove to the college football playoff committee, be like, hey, we beat the one team that beat us earlier in the season. You know, we're legit, we're national champion contenders. But if you lose two times to the same team, you're just, you're not going to be a national champion. Let's just, it's cut and dry. So I do think moving Ohio State up to the four is an appropriate response. Uh, Ohio State did get thumped by Michigan, which was their loss. And TCU, they they lost in overtime. I, I think there was a controversial call on the you know third and goal. When I watched it live, it, it looked like it was short. But then when you saw the aerial view, the bird's eye view, you know, it looked like he did break the plane. So it's, you know, it, it, it's tough to say, you know, what was what. But, um, you know, TCU's loss was an overtime loss as opposed to a blowout. So I think they should be at three and they played an extra game. I think that means something. Right. And uh, yeah, I'd, also, I think part of that, too, is they don't want like the Big Ten to be playing each other. Right. They right. Have to. Yep. So I think I think if you had Michigan at one and Georgia at two. I think you would see Ohio State at three and then TCU at four. So I think that's kind of the main way they look at it. They, I don't think they view the seeding as anything you know, super important. I think they view it as, hey, the best team is going to end up winning the national championship. And we don't want the two Big Ten schools to play each other. They already played. We want to create something new for the fans. And if they're, they're meant to be, if it's meant to be an Ohio State and uh, Michigan national championship game, then then so be it. And probably yeah, that's, the, a, that's a great point. Well, not the first time ever. I was going to say it'd be the first time ever that two schools made it from the same conference, but I, I realized I was wrong because Georgia and Alabama made it that one year. Yeah, they've done it twice now. So yeah, the, I, I, I was going to say this is like a dream scenario for the Big Ten because I mean, could you imagine just how much of a 
like a power ripple it would be for the SEC to have the two team national championship last year and then for the Big Ten to do it the year after. Like, you know, that I think would put a little bit of a dent in the SEC pride thing. Yeah, it'd be great. It, it would be great if we got some Big Ten bias. That, that would be really yeah. good for, you know, not only, uh, you know, us, but, you know, all, all Big Ten opponents. Like, it's kind of crazy that this, um, that having two two teams in the college football playoff, we actually cannot fill all of the uh, the bowl game spots with how many teams we have in. So yeah, they're gonna have to pick someone else, even though it's like reserved for a Big Ten team. I I forget what, what bowl game it was. It might have been like Quick Lane Bowl or something. Right, there's something where we played like a MAC opponent. But regardless, I'll, I'll take uh, two teams in the college football playoff and an, another team in the top twelve and a New Year's Six bowl at the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. So totally can't be upset with that. Yeah, absolutely. And just imagine how good of a college football playoff we would have uh, right now if they took 12 teams. Oh, it'd be so crazy. You, you would have uh, five would be Alabama and Washington. And we're at 11, so we would play uh, six. That was, um, I don't have the updated rankings in front of me. So we'd be, oh, we'd be playing Tennessee. So they're six. And then seven and 10, that would be uh, Tennessee. Or no, that's Clemson and... 10 is who's 10. Oh, that's USC. And the nine and 10 would be uh K state. And who's, who's that one? I'm losing it now, but you get the idea. It'd be freaking awesome. And then you'd have those, those four with the buys. So yeah, totally. I, I think that the, this would be a very strong field and it, it'd be too bad or it's too bad that, uh, you know, players like Hen and hooker wouldn't be able to compete for, uh, the championship in that scenario. I mean, it's too bad that he can't compete for, the new year six bowl that they did get selected to. So, you know, I, I, I agree with you. It would be a tremendous field, especially with some of these teams that are coming off of those conference championships, because they can be such springboards uh, for strong play in the bowl game that they're selected to. So it would be tremendous football. And uh, I just realized the team I forgot was of course, Utah. They're, they're number eight right now. So it would have <laughs> been Utah and Kansas state. So of course I forget the team we're literally playing in like a month. So. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. Uh, we're still we're still riding high from the Rose Bowl selection. So, yeah. Speaking of the number eleven ranking in the final college football playoff rankings, I'm I'm not surprised too much that we got jumped by the conference champions. I am a little surprised that we are still behind USC. I kind of thought that the committee would put USC at eleven, but do you think that eleven is still a fair ranking? I, I do think it's fair. Penn State hasn't beaten one ranked opponent all year. They beat Notre Dame. Uh, I'm not sure if Notre Dame's still ranked or not. They they might have been. Oh, they're at 21. So, you know, they at least beat a ranked opponent. Uh, they beat Oregon, who was ranked. They beat uh, Washington, who was ranked. They beat Oregon State, who was ranked. So, I think just I don't think losing to Utah twice and having the same amount of losses as Penn State can put them below them. That's true. Okay, good point. If you had to pick right now, uh, what does your national championship game look like? I think you have to go with uh, Georgia and Michigan. Uh, TCU, just the Big 12 is not the same as the Big 10. And Georgia is just going to curb stomp everybody. That defense is incredible. I do think Ohio State just isn't quite good enough. I think they'll struggle with the physicality of Georgia, just like they did with Michigan. And you know, this is on a neutral field. They struggled with Michigan at home. So mm-hmm. you know, I do think you'll see Georgia and Michigan in the national championship. And then 
Uh, if I had to put my money on it, I would say Georgia, but I think the gap is way closer than it was when they got blown out last year. I would agree. It's um, it's going to be an interesting finish for sure because I think that Michigan, you know, even though they lost a lot of talent with Blake Corum sustaining that season-ending en- injury, I think that they unlocked kind of a new form of their offense with J.J. McCarthy's passing ability because like we talked about after Michigan just laid the wood to Ohio State, you know, J.J. McCarthy is somebody who hasn't been asked to do a ton for most of the season just because Michigan was able to just run the ball down everybody's throats and they were winning by a bunch of points doing that. So everything was good. But then when he was asked to, J.J. was able to throw the ball all over the place on time and on target. So I think that that has added some or not some, several new wrinkles to the Michigan offense that is going to be tough for any defense to really cover, especially because he has the scrambling ability as well. So, you know, I think that Georgia, Michigan national championship would be a great game. You know, I'll take that for sure. Yeah. Really exciting time in uh, college football. And it's just going to get better once we get to 12 teams. It's going to be more exciting. It's going to have more of that March Madness vibe. No one's going to complain be like, oh, this team should have been in with their three losses and and everything. So I think, you know, they'll end it'll end the debate of, you know, who's good and who's not. And also, you know, there's teams who might not be great at the beginning of the season and then they find the groove and they really are at the end of the season. One of the best teams, if not the best team in college football, you have Utah. You know, as an example, to look at that, uh, Nick Saban, he was on during the uh, oh god, yeah, Michigan, the Michigan Purdue game at halftime, and you know, while while some of his comments I thought were kind of I don't know, I don't know, like snarky or like elitist uh, c- come to mind, but he did have some good points. He said, "Whoever we played, how many how many opponents would we be the underdog?" So I thought he made a good point there, like. Do you think Alabama would be the underdog against uh, Michigan, TCU, or Ohio State? I don't think so. And the third point he made was that uh, their their quarterback, Bryce Young, was dealing with an injury during those uh, Tennessee and LSU losses. Now, I don't think that's a really great excuse. As I mean, USC, uh, Caleb Williams was obviously not at 100% health, so I don't think that's necessarily the best excuse. But they did lose to two top 10 teams on the road on last second plays of the game in hostile road environments. So I do think he made a lot of good points. And if you look at the look at the, you know, the rankings, there's only if you look at the top 12, every team with two losses or less gets in. So I think that's great. I think that's a, a good enough number where you can put yourself in contention. And if you have three losses or more, like you know, get out of here too bad. Um, but I, I, I do think that the 12 team playoff is going to be awesome for years to come. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, personally, I, I thought that the, the whole Nick Saban thing was hilarious and honestly just a bit like old man yelling at the clouds sort of thing, because I, I just was just thinking to myself, it's like, you know, you've been in this thing so many times, like, would you really be buying your own argument if you were sitting at 
like number three or number two, the way that these teams are. And if somebody was coming on here and saying, Oh, like we would have been favorites here. And it's like, you know what, that might be the case, but you didn't win the games that were in front of you. And the collective losses, regular season losses of the teams that are in the playoffs is one. And that one loss came to another team that's also in the playoffs. So, you know, it's like, it's a tough break. you lost to LSU who got thumped by Georgia. And they also, they also lost to a hapless Texas A&M team. So I'm, I'm not really shedding too many tears from Nick, for Nick Saban and Alabama this year. I think that they, you know, in a, in a true playoff scenario, they should be vying for a national championship, but just in the current format, it's not happening. So, you know, I think he's, he's just got to, you know, like many other teams, not named Alabama, he's just going to have to take his lumps and wait for next year. Yeah, and Penn State's been in that situation with two losses and a conference championship. Right. At that. And we had to deal with it, even though it was unfair. And, you know, it's it's crazy. This is the second time that uh, Ohio State has made the national championship and not even been the Big Ten champion or played in the, you know, the Big Ten title game for that matter. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy that they make it there and they're the uh, only they're the only team in the college football playoff era who has gone to the playoff twice without even having won their division yeah it's just insane and i i think ohio state does get a lot of the bias but you know hey that's that's what happens you know with college football when you have stacked years of success back to back you are going to get that bias i thought there were a couple other funny responses he had he had uh the one was who do you think should be the other three teams with Alabama in the playoff. And he had no response to that. He's like, oh, I'm not going to talk about other teams. And then the other one, uh, uh, Desmond Howard asked, uh, what do you think is more important? Like overall records, strength of schedule, conference championships, or the eye test. And Nick Saban responded like, what's the eye test? It was like, dude, come on. You, oh you know my what God. the eye test is. That's, like, that's like what he's basing his whole argument on. Like, how are you yeah. going to stand there and say, you don't know what the <laughs> eye test is. And that's basically the only criteria that you're shouting out into the ether as like saying, Hey, we should be in the playoff too. Like get out of here, Nick. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Definitely not my favorite uh, coach. I'm, I'm happy coach Franklin. At least he's not like, you know, has that like, standoffish like i'm like oh we're elitist personality he just he i like his personality i'll, I'll put it that way compared to like guys like uh like narduzzi and harbaugh and save and like they're they're the worst <laughs> yeah i mean the the most brash things i think james franklin has ever done like on a national broadcast was in 2015 when michigan state went to the big 10 championship game and james franklin was on the broadcast I think it was either for Fox or for the Big Ten Network, I forget which, but he said that Penn State would be playing in that game very soon, and some members of the broadcast even kind of chuckled at him, and they went the very next year, so he made good on that (laughs) promise, and then after they won the Big Ten Championship game, he said, now it's your decision, committee, after you know, they had, they finished the season 11 and two with that conference championship ahead of Ohio state who again, didn't play in the conference championship game. Um, Mm -hmm. and then we all know what happened next. Ohio state went to the playoff, lost to Clemson in a blowout, a shutout. So, you know, I think that, uh, James has, uh, you know, he, he's made them count is all I'll say, you know, when he, when he kind of bangs his fist against the table, he does it with purpose. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing to do. So like, you know, you shouldn't yell a lot, but if you if you don't yell a lot, the times you do yell, it like means something. It you know gets across. So I, I do think you know he he does um, 
you know, he picks picks the fights correctly. He's not picking a fight with everything. Right. So that is the thing I, I, I like about Coach Franklin. And let's be honest, he's right when he does. Like, uh, we should have made it that year. Uh, we won the Big Ten Championship. Uh, I do like the new uh, format with the 12 teams because if you have an early season loss and you're a team like Penn State, they lose to Pitt the second week of the season, kind of fluky. Um, you know, if they play them two weeks later, it's like very obvious that Penn State, you know, would have gave them a butt whooping. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, something we have to deal with. And uh, I'm happy the changes are coming so that we're not going to be in that situation again. Yeah. Amen. And I'm sure that other teams like your Kansas States and like your Utahs, obviously the conference champions feel the same way as well. So, yeah, I'm super glad that it's happening in 2024. Um, Personally thought it should have happened already, but uh, we'll roll with the punches, as they say. But, yeah. So uh, anything else we need to go over before we get out of here? No, man, just super pumped to be going back to Pasadena. Uh, wish I could purchase a ticket to L.A. and a ticket to the game, but they're both very expensive, so I think I will be watching it from my couch at home. Yeah, I think I will, too. I actually did look at tickets for a round trip, and from State College, it was $1,050. And that's not even <laughs> including like hotels or the ticket for the game itself or transportation, so... You know, hey, maybe if you uh, if we get some supporters uh, for the podcast, you want to make some donations, maybe that'll help fund some uh, trips in the future to, to big games like this. Yeah. Hey, everybody, go buy a bunch of shirts so that Vince and I can go to the Rose Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, thank you all for listening and for buying merch so far. We've seen a couple of orders come in. So thank you for that support. And just as a reminder, you can still get 10% off of your merch order by using the code holiday10 at nittanyblues.com slash shop. So we got a couple of cool shirts, some sweatshirts, either hooded or crew neck. Get in there and get your order in uh, as soon as possible so that it arrives for the holidays. And if you'd like to support the pod, please tell your friends, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you enjoy the show, please leave a five-star five, five star review so that other Nittany Lion fans like you can find us. Interested in new episodes? You can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or other streaming platforms to be notified. Thank you for listening, and we want to remind you that we are the Nittany Blues Podcast. See you next time.